Champaign, Illinois native Emily Harrington coming to you from Kitchen Table Studios in the ever-evolving, sometimes boring, flatlands of Champaign-Urbana for the next podcast episode of Hyperlocals, where townies and transplants share their tales of tears and triumphs, losses and wins, so stay tuned to catch the characters behind the beloved Twin Cities of CU. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the next episode of the Hyper Locals podcast. Sometimes I have people on here that I'm meeting for the first time, and sometimes I have people on here that I have known for what seems like forever. I graduated from Central High School in 2002, which means we're just over 21 years out of high school. So I have known this person for potentially 25 years. Does that sound right, Jenna? Yes. Is that insanity? I mean, I'm knocking on 40. So more than half of my life, I have known this woman and she is the sweetest, smiliest, most calm, chill, greatest energy. Uh, One of the greatest energies I know, really. This is Jenna Yambert is how I knew her. And her married name is Gally. Is that correct? Did I get it all right, Jenna? (laughs) You did. Okay, girl. Now tell me, Jenna, you are a Central O2 graduate, like I mentioned, but today, where do you reside? Yes. um, So we live in Denver, Colorado. Okay. um, The Northeast side. Okay. So that means we are doing a remote interview, which isn't my favorite, but I'll do anything to get Jenna's beautiful voice on here. And I have been contacting her for about a year. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I was reluctant to do it. Sure, but sure. Your persistence and your, um, you know, it's just been fun to like listen to old friends and like hear their stories. And I, there's nothing like, you know, homegrown. Yes. Content. Co- homegrown content. And I'm nothing yeah. if not persistent, Jenna. Okay. <laughs> and you said to well, me, I, I, yeah. you Go said ahead. if it was a day before um, this moment, you may not have been able to get this interview out. Yeah, I think I'm like just to a point where I can talk about my dad more without, you know, just getting really emotional. And, and I, I have still yeah, emotional. that's okay. And that happens here a lot. But I have a good girlfriend and her dad has passed and she was suffering like all of Father's Day, which was recently. Oh, so yeah. I was going to ask you, is Father's Day more difficult are you concentrating on your oh, husband yeah. or are you thinking about your dad? The first couple of years, I like couldn't concentrate on my husband. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I just couldn't. You know, it's just too fresh. So we were talking about my friend and how you were still emotional and how my friend couldn't even get through Father's Day. And I said, the grief would be harder and more extended because your dads were so exceptional. And you said, what about your dad? Which is really sweet. And I I mean, if only someone were to talk about me, 
after I'm gone like this? Um, yeah, I think like my dad was somebody who, um, when you were with him, you weren't concerned about anything else. Mm. Time was frozen. Um, just because you were just in the moment. Yeah. Time stopped when you were with him and you forgot about everything else. There are very few things in my life that I do where you completely don't think about anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And he just had that personality that was just so, um, I think everyone probably felt that way around them. It was just like, it was just like so fun to be around them. And you didn't think about anything except being in the moment. Being present, which is what everyone's trying to do now. Yeah. And that's a rare thing. I, I feel like that's a rare gem to find. Yeah, I agree. Tell me a little bit about your dad. Um, I didn't know him personally, but I know that he was well-renowned in our community and he was an emergency room doctor. Is that correct? Yes, at Carl. So many people yeah. may have come across his path in one way or another. Oh my gosh, yes. What was he like as a dad? One of his favorite quotes mm-hmm. that I always quoted was like Dr. Seuss. It's fun to have fun, but you have to know how. Oh, It's fun to have fun, but you have to know how. Yeah, because... um, So what does that mean to you? Yeah. Um, Sorry, Emily. I'm like already getting emotional. That's okay. um, Oh, gosh. Um, He was always up for an adventure. And I think because he worked so hard and worked in the emergency room, I think... I just think people who are in the medical field and those sort of circumstances just like know how to live like Mm. day to the fullest Mm, because they see so much tragedy. I think so. You know, I think that you just live each day. um, You see a lot of things and you just want to live fully and be present. Mm. And not to mention you probably need a little bit of a release and an escape from the intensity of that job. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. I think that is totally a thing. Um, I feel like I am jumping ahead and I- That's okay. But it's just like, yeah, no, I feel like um, as far as his like hiking goes, I think that it's almost like um, he needed those experiences to kind of reset and be able to come back and, you know, live. Mm-hmm. I'm not expecting very well. But just that he needed uh, that time to be immersed in nature, to come and live um, and work that job. Because I think it was really stressful. And he actually, he did end up getting um, prostate cancer at like younger at 50. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And so he like took a step back then from the ER. Because I think like working those night shifts and I think having five kids I mean, but the fun thing about my dad is like he'd come home from a 12 hour shift and I'd be like playing basketball in the driveway. Mm-hmm. And instead of like rushing to bed to sleep, you know, he would like play with me. <laughs> that is so sweet. And you have four siblings. So you're one of five. Where do you fall in the line of Yamberts? Yes, I'm the oldest, which is wild because I don't necessarily have like the oldest personality. No, you are but, so lighthearted and um, fun. So maybe well, you think you're the most yeah. like your dad or are there many like you in the bunch? Well, 
that's just it. It's just that my dad had a special relationship with all of us, mm-hmm. like very unique. Like whatever our interests were became his interest. Oh and um which is like so rare of a person because it's just like um I like this example of like, you know, when my brother was like studying law, you know, in law school and thinking about becoming a lawyer, my dad's like signed up to take the bar. No, no. <laughs> Like, just for fun, let me see what I could do with this, you know, like, just to, like, help Jason study and encourage him and, you know. Jenna, that is so sweet. How did he end up faring? How far did he go with it? (laughs) I know. I don't remember. I mean, he took it. I can't remember if he passed or not. (laughs) That's that's funny. But, um, you know, it was just like, it was like that. And I think, like, for my dad, too, it was like, um, he... Is just one of those people that it's like you can sleep when you die. <laughs> Did you ever see him tired, worn out, irritable, or was he always pretty on much on a higher level? Maybe on occasion, but mostly he was on a higher level. And I think as we got older, um, you know, his interactions with us were much more uh, intentional mm. and like. He was better parent with like older kids, Um, but like among my friend group, he was like, I mean, Michelle and I just thought, you know, like we would just make fun of him a lot because we thought he was so nerdy. Oh, nerdy. Um, Okay. Oh, this is funny. He would always (laughs) tuck his shirt into his underwear and then his like underwear would be like hanging out of his scrubs or like we'd come home, um, from whatever and he'd be like sitting at the kitchen counter reading the newspaper like in his in his underwear in his underpants he just didn't care he didn't care like he didn't care about small didn't sweat the small stuff and i sometimes think super intelligent people don't care about that stuff (laughs) like my yeah i mean my son wants to be a scientist he has that type of brain and his pants Um. are always tucked in his underwear or vice versa (laughs) yeah So Michelle Smith is the one you're talking about, and she was also a high school friend of ours, and she was close with your dad. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Michelle was our sixth child. Yeah. That's so sweet. Yeah. So, like, you know, she came on vacation a lot with us and vice versa, and we lived on the same cul-de-sac growing up. So, we, yeah, we've been friends since we were three. Okay. Yeah. When you called your dad nerdy, what was his response? Did he take that in stride? Oh my gosh, I'm sure he was very proud of that. I mean, he would do science experiments like in the kitchen with us. Like, I'm pretty sure glass exploded one time. One time, I could, my mom called. I think we were in middle school. And um, my mom called and said, Jenna, I need to talk to your dad right away. And I was like, okay. And I'm, and I'm searching for him all over the house. And I'm like, mom, like, I can't find him. Like, I have no clue where he is. Like, his car's in the garage. And it was like late, kind of late at night. And so I'm like looking and I pass the living room and I see a light is on outside and it's the middle of winter. I think it was like negative temps. Oh my and I God. reluctantly open the door and I'm like, dad, are you there? And he's like, yeah, honey, I'm out here. I'm just, you know, testing out my sleeping bag. And he was inventing like a hand crank, cranked, uh, warming device for one of his trips i think the one to denali that is something else (laughs) i wish i would have known him he sounds like a real character oh my gosh he yeah he is amazing was your mom a stay-at-home mom like who was 
on a daily basis doing the mundane with five kids? Oh, my mom um, worked part-time as an x-ray tech oh, okay. at Carl for like 25 years. And then she went back and got her master's and worked at the Beckman Institute. Did they um, meet in the hospital? They did. They met in a hospital in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. Okay. And yeah, mom was working as an x-ray tech and my dad, I think he was in residency at that point there. So like a hot, nerdy ER doctor to be. <laughs> it's interesting because his personality really evolved and changed over time. He was a go-getter. Huh. He graduated high school in three years, undergrad in three years, and like went to med school. He pulled a lot of all-nighters. He was very serious, I think, when he first became a doctor. Because, you know, you don't want to make any mistakes. Oh, my gosh, life. that pressure. Yeah. And so I think, like, I don't know that he was necessarily well-liked that much in the beginning. You know, it's like with a surgeon. It's like a lot of them don't have great bedside manner. But, like, you, of course, want them operating on you because mm-hmm. <laughs> they take it very seriously. So I think he was more that way. And um, my mom was the outgoing one. Wow. And then, you know, as he got older, he was like more outgoing and kind of life of the party. He had a very like infectious laugh. He got more comfortable. I wonder if the kids kind of brought out that in him, having children. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure. I mean, kids kind of, your life isn't really yours. Yeah. And you find yourself on the floor playing games at, 30 or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah. And I think he got a lot of joy seeing us like try new things and go, you know, like I think um, some of the most memorable things are he took, well, I went twice because I loved it so much, but he took us rafting down the Grand Canyon in these wooden boats called dories. And um, that was just like an experience of a lifetime. By rapids. His outdoorsmanship, was that something he just studied and learned? It's always been there. Were his parents that way? Where did it come from? Yeah. So his father was a uh, professor of forestry. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So my grandpa grew up near the Smoky Mountains and he actually was kind of on the forefront of hiking them when, um, when the Smoky Mountain National Park happened in 1940 mm-hmm. he was there when F- he was like on his dad's shoulders like listening to fdr wow um, and he just like grew up there so he like fell in love with the outdoors okay and he and my grandma met in a botany class um i think there was like it was a crowded class and there wasn't enough chairs so he like gave up his chair for my grandma and like that is sweet <laughs> yeah so this oh. is in his blood Yeah, I think, you know, he was like a Boy Scout. Yeah, sure. Person and he, um, he and my grandma, like in the 50s, made like an eco-friendly house in Southern Illinois. He was a professor at Southern Illinois University. Oh my gosh, okay. Um, And so it had like, you know, collected rainwater um, and a compostable toilet and like solar before there was solar. Yeah, so so sustainability before it was like a thing. Yeah, and I think part of that was, too, was, like, growing up in the Great Depression. Sure. You're very resourceful, yeah. Oh, yeah, resourceful. Like, I still have um, a knife over there in my cabinet that my grandpa made me when I was in college. It's a hairbrush, a recycling 
recycled hairbrush handle. And he has a good... That is so cool. Oh, my gosh, Jenna. Yeah. Wild. So did your dad always hike as long as you can remember? Was that his favorite pastime? Like, I mean, on vacation, we'd always go to Michigan every summer and we'd do hikes. Okay. Um, and things like that with another family. Um, but like, I more so as we got a little bit older, he, I think one of his dreams was to do like the top seven peaks, you know, he hiked Denali. Okay. And he had um, a glacier in Antarctica. He so there's, hiked that's Aconcagua. two. Yeah. Three. Um, he hiked Kilimanjaro. Four. Aconcagua. I don't think he got to summit because the winds were like 100 miles an hour. You know, he was an experienced hiker. Um, and, you know, he trying to think what else. So he got four I mean, out of seven of that goal. Yeah. I don't know that like all of them were his goal in actuality, but like. It was definitely something um, like he would prepare for, like do a lot of preparation for. My dad, so what was the name of that um, rec center on Galen? The one that Oh, the fitness center? And, yeah, the fitness center. <laughs> yes, of course. With the, the uh, racquetball center. courts. Yes, yes, I loved the smell, the smell in that place. I don't know. It's just like a nostalgic smell. But anyway, my dad was somebody who like would go and like, I'm pretty sure he burned out a lot of those treadmills. He would run like nine miles a day. On those wow. things. How does he have time with five kids <laughs> and an emergency room doctor job? Again, you, you sleep when you die. Wow, Jenna, that is incredible. So he was always preparing for the next trip, the next trek. Um, Yeah, he was. And like that, what I told you about that like invention thing, he took up Denali where he was like trying to create this like warming device to keep him warm yeah he was just very curious yeah 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 like I would say curiosity is like a good word because like just like always learning always growing like lifelong learner are you like that yes and no um I think things I'm interested in Mm -hmm. yes um I'm not nearly as good as like taking other people's interests on as my own. Are there Um, one sibling that is most like your dad? Uh, maybe. Well, I think like Jeff, probably. Um, he's the middle. Okay. They were a lot of like, I think all of us have like certain traits. Yeah. I love that. Okay. For my dad. And like, you know, um, later when my dad was doing lots of 14ers, um, my sister would do them with them, which was fun for them to have together. What's a 14er? Uh, a 14er is a mountain here in Colorado that's okay. above 14,000 feet. Okay. Um, above sea level. There's like 52 of them here in Colorado that you could do. And they're they're hard. <laughs> We're at 5280 here, in, which is the mile high city. So think um, a mile high from sea level and then add on the extra. Okay. 5,280 feet is one mile. Yes. Okay. And you're saying they were going at 14,000 feet. Yeah. Yeah. They're all peaks above 14,000 feet, the 14ers. And you are on foot walking up a mountain for miles and miles and miles. 
Yes. With a backpack? Well, you're trying to take as little weight as possible. Often with a 14er, you start at like two in the morning with your headlamp on because, um, (laughs) so, so yes, I mean, you can camp, which that's what I was going to ask. Is this an overnight thing? I mean, so it depends on if there's like campgrounds on the trail or not. So this is something a lot of people probably don't know. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but like, Luke and I actually met on Long's Peak. Really? My, we met hiking on Long's, the same mountain that my dad passed. Really? On. I did not know that. Literally, you both were passing each other? So, oh, this is the kind of thing. It's like, you know, this Okay, now, of- I have been on Pike's Peak. How tall is that? Yeah, it's a 14 or two. Okay. So that's one of the ones people like to hike. And that one's fun to hike because when you get to the top, there's you can yes. drive to the top. You can drive down then. So one time I picked my dad and my sister up at the top. They have like donuts at the top. <laughs> yes, they have like a place to eat. And while we were yes. taking a train up, I looked and saw people and thought, look at these crazy people walking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So that gives me some perspective on how tall this is. So you and Luke were hiking parallel to each other and ran into each well, other no. well so what happened is a friend of mine from like young life who had lived out here in Colorado because I had recently moved to Colorado so I was like trying to connect with people you know that lived here sure. she said do you want to hike a 14er this was like Labor Day 2007 and I was like um sure <laughs> you know and I didn't even know what it was. Oh, I had Jenna, no clue. Jenna, like Jenna. you were asking me. I had no clue. A flatlander, Illinois person. Yes. So so here I show up to do this hike with this like backpack because we got a last minute cancellation at Boulder Field, which is a campground at like 13,000 feet elevation on this trail. Mm. So we started like first thing in the morning, like pretty early, but we since we were going to camp, we didn't start at like 2 a.m. So Luke had joined a friend of his. Actually, my husband went to college, Colorado College in Colorado okay. Springs. So he and a buddy from college, he had recently moved back to Colorado from California. He did teach for America in California. Anyway, he and a friend headed up at 2 a.m. with their headlamps. And so um, we were on our way up. We were probably like 20 minutes from the summit. And I was not feeling good. Um, And in retrospect, like not a good idea. But like, I probably had a little bit of altitude sickness. Yeah, altitude sickness. Like, I think like, I don't know. I mean, I've tempted 14ers a lot. I've successfully done them a couple times. But like my body, once I hit like 13,000 something, does not do as well. So anyway, Mm. I told my friend, I said, just going up. Like, I didn't want to ruin her day oh, from summer because we were so close. And I was like, I'll just sit here and wait for you, oh, you know? Oh, my God. So I was sitting in this steep trough, and um, I was, like, sitting there thinking, okay, like, I just feel like I'm going to, like, roll down this mountain. So I'm like, the next people that start hiking down, I'm going to follow them back to the keyhole, which is, like, a level spot. And, like, it's one way, like, if you do, like, this one route. So it's like we had to, our campground was still up. We had to go back and get our stuff. So it was like, if I just go sit on a more safe spot, like I'll feel better and go down a little bit. So Luke and his friend were like the next people to go down. 
I like waited a little bit because I felt really nauseous. And oh, so Jenna, this is a nightmare. So I started, <laughs> I know, I started hiking behind these people and, um, Sure enough, like more people were starting to head up the mountain. So it came to a narrow spot in the trail where um, they had to stop and wait. And so I had like caught up to them. So, of course, like hikers are super friendly. So you turn around and you're like, oh, hey, like, where are you from? You know, it's like, oh, I'm from Illinois. Oh, me too. Like, oh, what brought you to Illinois? Oh, you know, like I fell in love with Colorado on a backpacking trip and um, with Young Life back in high school. And I like you know, just wanted to move here. And it's like, oh, you know, like, um, you know, I'm a teacher here. And, you know, oh, I did Teach for America. You know, I was a teacher. And it's like, oh, where do you live? And it's like, I live by Denver University. And it's like, me too. I live like a mile down the road from there. And then, and then, you know, and then at that point, I'm like, okay, like, I I don't, I'm not feeling that great. I'm going to sit down. Like, nice meeting you all. Have a great day. That kind of thing. Right. So then, um, are there cell phones? Do you have a cell phone that works? Uh, I don't remember. If like your friend's going to come back and you're not going to be there. <laughs> well, no, no, because no, she's going to have to meet me on the trail. But you're not going to be in that trough, that slippery trough area. No, no, but I'm going to be safe on a, a level oh, spot. <laughs> okay. Much better. Okay. In our, our camp, you can like see our campground. Okay, okay, okay. It was still set up. We still had to take down our camp. Okay. Or campground. Okay. So, um, anyway, so then, yeah, Luke's going up to his friend, Ben, who is now off the trail and rocks are starting to fall and almost hit people below. And so I'm like yelling rocks, you know, oh my like, God. I think you guys need to come back on the trail down this way because, um, like that's not the trail. And so I was like really confused because yeah, so they were coming back and it's funny because, I guess when Luke went up to Ben, Ben said, did you get her number? And he's like, no, but I was about to. Do you have a pen I could use? So Luke came back and said, would you like to go to lunch sometime in Denver? (laughs) That's sweet, Jenna. And he like wrote my phone number on his arm. And I was like, oh, afternoon hail will like wash that right off. I'll never hear from this guy. Like, I don't even feel good. So I'm like, yeah, whatever, you know. (laughs) And so then... So then we're parting ways at this keyhole and it was kind of interesting. This is how like reflective of kind of how bad I felt, I think, without really realizing it. But I had dropped a glove on the way up and I couldn't find it. Mm. Everything like looks the same, you know, Mm. you're like kind of oriented. And so Mm. as we're parting ways at the keyhole and I'm saying, you know, nice to meet you. Have a great hike down or whatever. You know, Luke picks up my glove that I had like lost previously and couldn't find. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's mine. Oh my gosh. It's it's like the prince in the slipper. (laughs) Yeah, Cinderella. (laughs) So your dad would often come visit you in Colorado. Is that correct? Yeah. And so that, so Long's Peak that I'm talking about, Luke and I hiked it with my dad one time. Okay. Um, Again, I attempted it and like, I was feeling so good on the way up and like, running laps around my dad and feeling kind of like proud, you know? Sure. Like, and I think he was a little bit frustrated because I think he wasn't feeling great in the beginning, but goes to show that I like burn out quickly at whatever elevation and start not feeling good again, you know, whereas he's like slow and steady wins the race. That's how marathoners are. I think, oh, you guys better slow down at the beginning. (laughs) You want to make it to the end. So, you have a hard out. So I'm going to try to accelerate the story as 
interesting as it is. But he would often come visit and he would go on independent hikes and hikes with you. Is that correct? Yeah. And so he liked to hike by himself. I think there is that thing about hiking by yourself where it's just like so freeing and um, you can go at your own pace. No one's slowing you down, like me slowing them down towards the top there. <laughs> Meditative <laughs> and, almost. Yeah. And I think the thing is like people are like, it always bothers me when people are like, oh, I can't believe these like inexperienced hikers do this or whatever. And yeah, it bothered all of us that he would go by himself. Like we much preferred he'd go with others. But the thing is when you're hiking something like that, you're never actually alone. You meet friends mm-hmm. along the way. Sure. So he you know, always ended up hiking with people. And I think he always, like, sometimes ended up hiking with young people. You know, he'd wow. hike with them for several years and he'd, like, inspire them and encourage them and, like, help them <laughs> with their next steps. And, you know, like, I mean, he he would always hike safely with, like, the 10 essentials. The one thing I wish he had hiked with would have been one of those, uh, you know, now they make those tiny little lightweight devices. I don't, I forget what they're like called. Like a tracker? Yeah, like little GPS trackers. Um, do you carry a phone on the mountain and does it work? You can. Like certain spots you can find like cell phone service. Not always. I think it does work. Um, we had um, a relative who was hiking in California and there was a mudslide and they, um, it was just this wild story because they had like rolled down this mountain and the one had like super bad injuries and their cell phones of course had like fallen out of their pockets. And it just so happened where the guy like took a something and like tried to like stab it in the ground to like slow him down. There was a cell phone buried in there and like he was able to pull it out and use it. And they were like rescued. That is, it was like a miraculous like God story there, but yeah, for sure. So tell me what happened to your dad on his last hike. He was visiting you and your family. Yeah. He wanted to do this hike. We all didn't really want him to because he was getting older and it just wasn't something we all loved anymore. Because oftentimes what happens on something like this, like a lightning storm comes, right? Like a hail lightning storm and you're stuck on this mountain and you're stuck overnight then and and you don't show up when you say you're going to show up. So it got to the point where it's like, it's just better (laughs) if we don't like have necessarily have a plan or no, or, Mm -hmm. you know, when to expect him because then we start making all the calls. Yeah, we start worrying. And so um, anyway, he was really excited to go up. He had this whole plan, but, you know, he didn't necessarily want to share it with us because we had kind of been like discouraging him. Yeah. And so um, he went up the mountain and then he was supposed to arrive at my house on Monday night for dinner and he didn't. So then, you know, we had to call the park rangers and search and rescue had to get jump in and get involved which so he drove himself to the mountain the trailhead the trailhead the trailhead okay Mm -hmm. he was supposed to meet you back what time did he leave and what time for perspective what time did he leave and what time was he supposed to meet you i mean he was this a 2 a.m with the headlamp situation yes yes he was gonna can't sleep a little bit at the trailhead in the car wow and then hit the trail 
and then hike and it's this hike is it is one of the harder 14ers so it is like a 18 hour hike shut up yeah so he um then was supposed to be back to my house for dinner and um wasn't there and so it turned into a, a search and rescue um I wanted to go to the trailhead and wanted to hike up <laughs> looking for him. But of course that's strongly discouraged because you're putting yourself in danger too. And you know, the people are like, you can come to Estes, but you can't do that. We're happy to like meet with you and whatever. And so I like drove up there and was trying to figure out, like we didn't have a lot of information about what route he was using and all these things. So I think that's important to tell people. <laughs> um, so I kind of went into my detective mode and uh, started emailing people on Facebook Messenger that I had posted pictures of them hiking longs on those dates. Wow, Jenna. So yeah. people had tagged this particular trail on this day. So yeah. you knew they hiked parallel yes. to your dad in one respect or the other. Yeah. Yep. So wow. I found these guys who <laughs> who hiked with my dad. Oh my gosh. They that were able, able to tell to you where he like was time. at a certain time. time. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. The timing of things, like what he was wearing. They had pictures with him because they loved him, <laughs> of course. Wow. Um, and what was the mountain called? It was the same mountain you met your husband on. Yes. The one Long you got sick on. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yes. And your dad had hiked it before. Yes. Yes. Many times. I'm trying to think how many times. I mean, like, I would say like three to five times. Okay. So he was familiar with it. Um, you know, he loved it. Um, the scary thing about um, 14ers and, um, well, it was a really bad summer on Longs because a lot of people died. And um, my dad being one of them, but two people passed after my dad, younger guys. And uh, the thing is, is the weather changes so quickly up there and you have to do things quickly for safety reasons. So like if it gets icy on the mountain, the search and rescue team can't go out there. And if someone else gets injured on lungs and they're obviously still alive, their search is going to take precedent over yours. There was a, a woman who fell and hit her head um, in the middle of my dad's search. And of course, like, we're like, yes, you need to rescue this woman, you know, a younger lady. And so anyway, it was just like timing, weather, like all the things, like, how do you kind of finding a needle in a haystack of like, you know, and trying to figure out all these things anyway. Um, what time of year was this and what year? Well, this is summer, August of 2018, the end of August. And, um, so we're approaching his fifth death anniversary? That, yes. Okay, okay. Yeah. I got you. So you are yeah. piecing so, together where he would be on the trail thanks to these guys who have kind of documented their journey. Yeah, and you know, and and we're like working with the uh, search and rescue um you know, we're trying to get a helicopter, we're um, doing all the things we can. Um, and I mean, luckily, we were able to find my dad, they had to wait a few days to, um, you know, extract his body, because um, 
of weather conditions and things like that. And, but like he was found. I mean, we were lucky because um, sometimes people die and they don't find them till spring, till the snow melts. And so, and then you're just waiting for closure. What so we was the very, weather? What was the temperature? Was it cold? I mean, yeah, it gets really cold. It gets really windy. It, it can be really nice one minute and hailstorm the next, you know? And I think like when he got up there, he made it to the top and he summited and everything that day. But on his way down, he just, he slipped. It was icy. And he fell. Yeah. And we think he passed suddenly, which is also like another blessing, you know, just knowing that he didn't suffer. Would you have rather him pass away from another way? Or is there relief in that he went out doing what he loved? Does that bring you any relief? It doesn't. No, no it does. It really, truly does. Um, ah, It's okay. Uh, I mean, yeah. Jenna, this, you crying is not unusual. You know what I mean? Oh, I cry all the time. I'm like, I'm going to cry. <laughs> In my friend group, it's like, you know, we do like positive affirmations on people's birthdays. And Aww. I just cry. <laughs> I find there's some beauty in that a little bit oh yeah yeah for sure I think he would have been like a terrible cancer patient (laughs) I mean yeah debilitated and sick or just old or aging you know what I mean I think the thing that's like for sure the hardest is um you know he was such a good grandpa oh yeah your kids was he able to see your last child no, no. I was pregnant with Julia when all that happened. You I was newly were. pregnant. Okay. Did he know that? He had just found out that. Yeah, oh, I just Jonathan, told him. See, that's wonderful too. Yeah. Well, yeah, but like he was looking forward to like my sister's kids too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we talked about the stages of grief. Do you know the stages of grief? Dabda. Okay. <laughs> what are they and where are you in this line? Because obviously it still strongly affects you, and rightfully so. Yeah. I mean, I think it will forever. You move forward, but you don't move on, you know, mm. and you take your best step forward. Okay. What are the stages of grief? Can you name them? Denial. Denial, anger, bargaining. What's the other one? Acceptance. What's the other one? Is mm. there another D in there, or did I make that up? Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Oh, depression. Okay, that's when I'm forgetting. I was like, I know there's another one. Um, Are we at acceptance? I I hope so. Yeah. I mean, I think, don't you kind of dabble in all of those sometimes? At the same time, yeah. Yeah, I think like, rightfully so. I think family members of mine were angry for a long time, you know? And why did you make this choice when you have Mm. this life? But, um... I think because I love the outdoors too and feel like alive hiking or. Yeah. Are you more careful and have you kept on your hiking journeys? Oh, I still hike. When you're hiking and you're in Colorado, do you feel more connected to him? I mean, I think so. I, I miss like being able to share life things with him and just like, oh, he'd be excited about this or he'd be proud of this or stuff like that. 
you were the one in Colorado when all of this happened. How did you communicate? Because everyone else is spread out, right? And you're yeah, at the hub I, kind of taking this on. Yeah, yeah. So you yeah. had to be the communicator with everyone in the family, including your mom, right? Yes and no. Like we join calls as a family, but I think often, you know, obviously they'd call my mom first, the search and rescue team. But yeah, I, I like went to speak with them. I, I was kind of getting frustrated because they were kind of not, you know, I mean, obviously in that sort of situation, it's hard to have patience around these things. Cause it's like, we got to find him. Like maybe he's injured. Maybe he's alive. Maybe we can, you know, mm, help him. Yeah, it's just like a helpless situation. Um, I think sometimes in those kind of scenarios, I go into a little bit of action mode. Mm. And I think in a sense that was like a blessing because I think, you know, everyone has different personalities. It helped you kind of compartmentalize it and take away the emotion of it. You just went into action. I did go spend the night in Estes Park and I had to get a hotel um, there and I had a meeting with them. Um, the search and rescue team and, uh, and everything. But I like, you know, I didn't sleep that night. And that's when I started going on Facebook and messaging all these people. And then from 6am, I got the message from the one guy who had hiked with my dad, he and his friend. And it was just a lot of trying to figure it out. And I do remember like feeling peace. Um, as I was driving back to Denver, I stopped at a stoplight. And I looked up and the road was J Road. Mm. And there was like a glimmer of hope in me, but also just like a peace um, kind of beyond understanding of like, there's going to be closure. Like we're going to at least find him, you know, if nothing else. How much time had passed from when he uh, didn't come to dinner to when you were told that he'd been found? Oh, Emily, I can't even remember. I feel like... A day or two or three. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's all a blur. I feel like um, the whole thing was like five to seven days of like. Hell. Yeah. Of just. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there's five kids in your family. Mm-hmm. You're the oldest. Yeah. What was your role in the healing process, the grieving process? Did you have to take that on as the oldest child? I don't know. That would be something to like ask my siblings. Like, I feel like we all came together really well in his um, kind of visitation. We we ended up having like a visitation and that thing was like five hours long. I mean, it was just. And champagne. <laughs> yeah. Was that hard for you? Um, It was cool. It was cool to see the like impact he had. Cause like, uh, sorry. <laughs> He sounds amazing. He just sounds like he had the coolest life to me and the coolest family, Jenna. <laughs> Thanks. Seriously. I feel like, um, you know, having five kids and having like all these different jobs. He like worked for the police. Um, he, he like worked for a company called Simro. He worked, you know, like it just was, it was really inspiring. And it's like, Kind of like you have no idea because, right, like it's like your dad, but then you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, How many lives he touched? Yeah, because it, it was really long. There were a lot of people. People are like standing in the rain. Oh, um, and there was uh, his coworker had made a book like uh, 
we knew Jay or something. And like all these people like submitted stories about my dad. Yeah. And it was just cool. How do you want your dad to be remembered? Or when you close your eyes and you see him, what do you think of first? <laughs> um, or how do you gosh. want your kids to know him, remember him as? I think like, oh gosh, yeah. I think something we celebrate a lot is like um, how hardworking he was um, and just like the grit mm. and the uh, capacity and capability to kind of not like limit yourself mentally, you know, like kind of to step outside of your comfort zone and like kind of grow. Yeah, grit. I love that word. How old was he when he passed away? 60. It was sick. his 60th. Okay. Yeah, he had turned 60 that May. And then, um, yeah, so he was 60 and too young. Too yeah, young. too young. But he, what a life. I mean, before this incident, had he had any bad experiences? Hiking? Oh, like hiking? I mean, he had, yeah, he had. Like he... Again, like I, he was a person who like stretched himself, you know, to the limits in some ways, as far as like, what, what can my body do? What can my, like, how can I grow mentally and physically? And, you know, I mean, for me, that's not a negative. Uh I think some people might think it is, but yeah, not to me. Yeah. I don't think so either. I mean, I think that's how people have to take risks to, uh to grow and learn. And I mean, he just sounds amazing to me. Oh, oh yeah, totally. I mean, he, he's so funny too. Like he, again, on that, like sleep when you die sort of thing, yeah. like he'd be, he'd be visiting at my house and he would make us stay up till 3am playing cards. Wow. And, Jenna. Jenna, don't be a whimp. You know? <laughs> One more game. Oh One my more game. gosh. That is like, so dad, funny. I have like a baby. Like I, I gotta like, <laughs> I got to get my rest, you know, and some of my siblings are pretty good at like we were all just together in Branson, Missouri, having a ball. And it's just like, you know, people stay up till 4 a.m. And then I don't do that as much as no, my siblings. No, <laughs> I don't either anymore, Jenna. I get that. I get that. Well, anything else that you think I should know about him or that we don't feel like you've touched on this story that kind of changed and shifted your life? Did you ever want to send Luke up that mountain? Oh, Luke and one of his friends did go up. Wow. Not, um, not fully up, but the day after I came back from Estes, yeah, they did. They tried to like, we tried to like think about mm. where to be. And they actually did hike somewhat up. I don't think they went far enough, but they went up the valley where he, he was eventually found. They just, they weren't the ones that found him, but they did um, attempt to, to, to do that. Him. Okay. Um, you mentioned the 10 essentials that people bring. Yeah. Don't Do you, ask me to list them, Emily, because I don't even. But it's water and food. It's something like that. <laughs> right? Yeah. And like um, those like emergency blanket kind of things that can be like shelter slash warm things. Wow, and Jenna. So we haven't I mean, known the 10 yeah. essentials and we didn't know the DABDA acronym. <laughs> These are things I should know. And I <laughs> do know at various times in my life and then I forget. We have a lot to keep track of. I understand. I understand. Okay. Well, thank you so much for sharing this. I've been pursuing you for months and you finally um, 
relented and let me do it. And I think it's a beautiful story. I, I know it's emotional and sad, but like for me, there's a lot of beauty. There's not a lot of suffering for me. There's a lot of beauty in um, doing what you love all the time. I really, I'm, and, and going out that way. He got diagnosed with, you said prostate cancer and that didn't. Oh end. yeah. At 50 he did. Um, and he saw Dr. Catalina at Northwestern University for that surgery and it went well and everything. Yeah, I think that was a turning point of like, I want to prioritize, you know, more things that I yeah. care about um, rather going. than like working myself into the ground, you know, yeah, I yeah. think. But that could have taken I, him, Jenna, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, it could have. I, I think it was detected early and stuff and I think – out of all the cancers, that's like, yeah, obviously a better one to have, but it's still cancer and it's still um, hard to navigate. And I do feel like, you know, people pass when they're supposed to and, I don't know, maybe God needs some. Yeah, yeah. Well, he sounds like a good one that would be needed. Thank you for doing this. <laughs> Jenna, poor Jenna. <laughs> I hope I haven't like ruined your day. <laughs> But you told me you're no. just a crier. So, but you're a pretty crier. Like I would be messed up all day and swollen. Oh, no. I mean, yeah. No, I I cry. Everyone <laughs> knows that about me. <laughs> you're so sweet. Okay, I'm going to put you out of your misery, okay? Thank you, Jenna. Bye. You're welcome. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. However your podcast host of choice allows, please positively rate, review, comment and give all the stars. Don't forget to follow, subscribe, share, and ring that notification bell so you know when the next episode drops. Also, search and follow HyperLocalCU on all social media. If I forgot anything or you need me, visit my website at HyperLocalCU.com. Bye!